Say Shura, the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Elaine. I'm Scoop Magoo. And uh, we've got a special guest today, our first guest, maybe our only guest. Uh, Devin, can you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Devin, and I'm, uh, I guess, the resident Sonic Youth expert. Yes, yes, you are. Uh, so I guess we'll just get down right to the nitty gritty. Uh, me and Scott. I uh, have had a tumultuous relationship with Sonic Youth in the past. Um, we, we, we'll talk more about it in detail, but uh, suffice to say, we've never been huge fans of them. We've tried, uh, but one of the segments on this podcast that we like to do a lot is uh, sort of like a redemption type of thing where uh, we revisit some important albums by a certain band and sort of reevaluate them after we've had a couple of years of, of basically being jerks about said artists uh and it, you know i think for me I, I i get that i get that crap out of my system pretty fast and then i can you know go on being being a functioning member of society so um <laughs> so uh scott i i guess oh i actually well Devin, i i can you talk about sort of your relationship with sonic youth and sort of how that started and like when it started sure so I was probably in high school when I discovered Sonic Youth, and I had just come out of discovering hardcore punk, which, yes. you know, I'm still very much in love with. But yeah. Sonic Youth were kind of my, I guess, connection to more avant-garde music, because they okay. definitely have some of that. And, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they can kind of combine that with the noisy punk side, and it's kind of how I expanded my, uh, I guess musical interests i guess yeah, you would say your your palette if you will right right yeah okay so yeah so you've just been i so i i'm assuming you either own or i've like listened to every album or yeah yeah, yeah. just about and, and we're pretty much listening to your favorites today if, if I, remember uh, right. I would say the f- first three are my favorites uh i'm oh, not a big right, fan right. of goo yeah. But I I feel like it's kind of a popular choice, so I thought I'd include it. A lot of people do seem to like it, but it's definitely yeah. not my first choice. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, we will we will get to goo. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so Scott, what what about you? Uh, what about your relationship with with the the Sonic Youth, the the Audible Children, if you will? Yeah. So, um, I'd say late high school, early college. Um, you know, I was trying to get out of my you know, deathcore, metalcore, like kind of all, all the bands you'd expect a, a high schooler in the, the early 2010s would listen to. And the way that I, I tried to get out of that was all the, the, the pitchfork decade lists. I just looked at, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, what did they list at the top? What are, you know, the classic albums of every decade? And they put Daydream Nation at the top of the 80s, you know, their top album of the decade. So I was like, you know, fuck, I have to, I have to listen to this. Um, and I think around that time I was getting into, I, I guess, more of the traditional, quote-unquote, noise rock, post-hardcore. I would say I think I bought Jesus Lizard around, you know, their album Liar around that time. I think I was I just heard Big Black. So when I heard this yeah. was, you know, when I heard this was like a noise rock classic, I think I was expecting something, um, I guess I wasn't expecting something as subtle. Because what's been really beneficial about this experience, listening to them, 
you know, so many years later with, with this amount of attention is they're kind of a different approach to noise rock than you might typically ascribe I, to the genre. I, I'm glad you said that. We'll put a pin in that because I really want to get back to that. Yeah. Um, but, but, but so, yeah. Yeah, frankly, after, after listening to Daydream Nation a few times when I first bought it, I think freshman or sophomore year of college, it just, it didn't hit. Um, I guess the, it didn't, I went into it with unfair expectations. I think I, I it wasn't in good faith, a good faith listen. Um, so I judged it, you know, unfairly in that regard. And so when you, I mean, this is an idea we've had for a while to do this redemption, and I'm really glad we did. And I guess I'll yeah. put our second pin in it and turn it over to you, Elaine, and what your yeah. um, your experience with Sonic Youth has been. So, um, like, I so how do you even get through this without being totally embarrassed? Um, I guess a lot of a lot of I, I think one of my eye opening ear opening moments for music was um out of all things uh guitar hero 3 <laughs> so um you know the, the the soundtrack for that was just batshit insane and i still there are still tracks of that like that i love to this day but one of those was cool thing uh off of sonic youth's album goo and i i, th- I think that, that was my first experience with sonic youth and I was never a big fan of that song. Um, I always tried to skip it, I think, whenever I played the game. Um, but I remember at some point, um, and it, I think this was right around the time that you were also sort of branching out into like more pitchforky type of stuff, Scott, that I think I, I picked up a copy of Goo at um, like Newbury Comics and mm-hmm. just kind of went with it. Um, and I was not, I, I was not the biggest fan. I really disliked it and i i i I think looking back on it i disliked them and the band i think more for i i guess like sort of the same way that like radiohead kind of has like this this um uh hype attached to them that like they're like this quote-unquote experimental band uh when in reality we're talking about very different contexts like i think you know, when I thought of experimental music, even back then, I was thinking of like, you know, Coltrane's free jazz era and shit like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was I was thinking of like weird. I was thinking of like Dillinger Escape Plan. You know, and, and, and I'm I'm not saying that you know like th- th- those those two arts are very different from Sonic Youth and each other. Like I, but I think it's just like I think there's a sort of level of of experimentation and there's a level of um sort of popularity that those two put together kind of like just jumbled my mind a little bit. I didn't really get it. And I just found the entire thing pretentious. And I just, I found like how everybody was just like obsessed with Sonic Youth's um, idea of tuning and like how they use their guitars. Whereas like I I would listen to cool thing. and I'm like, this doesn't sound any different at all (laughs) to me. (laughs) And you know, so um, yeah, I, I was really just unimpressed for a long time and just kind of like, like because they i mean like i i'll say this now and i mean i think spoiler uh i i've had a very positive reaction to all these albums but um i i will say that i i think sonic youth has this place in sort of the indie blogosphere that um is is basically like they they're basically gods in a way <laughs> like kind of untouchable um 
it like like I mean, for for good reason, you know, they were just so monumental for like the indie scene. I think back in their day, you know, uh, like like what we know today as indie music would not exist without them. It at least in some small part, you know. So, um, you know, it's it's just it's just frustrating when you have like like you said, Scott. Like you know, you you see a pitchfork putting Daydream Nation at like number one of the 80s and you know i and like all that stuff and not to say it isn't deserved again it's just that like i i i think i didn't really understand the context back mm-hmm. then so um let's just dive on it we we did we listened to four albums uh which are all actually in chronological or it's considered like i i mean devin correct me if i'm wrong but i think these are usually considered sonic like four best albums anyway yeah, yeah. Um, so let's just start with the first one, uh, with Evil from uh, 1986. So, uh, Devin, what what are your experiences with this? So it's their first album on SST Records, just to put that into context. Mm. And I feel like, you know, the beginning of Sonic Youth, they kind of, it, they're interesting to compare to Swans a little bit because yeah. they kind of had the same influence mm-hmm. and uh, came out of the no wave scene. Um, yeah, it, it was it was interesting how they came out at like the tail end of it though, right? Um, you know, uh, yeah, but, but you, you were saying though because I I I have a whole little tangent that I'll go on a little bit, but <laughs> and I just feel like it's kind of noisy, but at the same time it's a little poppy. It's kind of like a chimera sort of an album, which I don't know. I guess it's just all everywhere at once, but everywhere it is, it it's good. I mean, I just, this, I mean, I'm a little biased because this is my favorite Sonic Youth album. It's mm. a little bit of everything. It's a little bit noisy. It's a little bit, you know, crazy. It's a little bit poppy. But I think it was kind of them refining, you know, the noisier stuff. Like their previous album, Bad Moon, Bad Moon Rising, was a little bit crazier. But this was a little bit more refined, as crazy as that is to say. Especially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like... I don't know. What did you guys think about it? So, uh, I actually really fucking loved this thing. Uh, like, pretty much from the start. I thought this was a lot of fun. Uh, and I, you know, Scott, do, do you just want to dive into this idea of Sonic being sort of a different type of noise rock band now? Yeah. Uh, because uh, the one, because I, I noticed this too, that like, it's, I, I think when when me and Scott think of a noise rock band, we think of uh you know like literal like feedback and things like that like yeah yeah, like a lot of distortion and you know that sonic youth definitely has that but i think they use that i I think if anything they use um more like tonality in a different way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which i think is from uh because i if i remember right um lee ronaldo was uh associated with glenn bronco in Sonic Youth's early days, like like even before them, um, and I think when Lee Ronaldo met Thurston Moore, they ended up uh, be working on some of Glenn Branca's you know gigantic guitar pieces that would have you know like 100 guitarists doing like a symphony basically, uh, which used a lot of like overtones and things like that, and uh, was sort of what they called like totalism, uh, which I just don't really want to get into because I am not incredibly knowledgeable about totalism but basically like glenn glenn bronca's whole spiel was that like he was very interested in sort of what would happen if you you know a 
like if you exemplified overtones, if you played something so loud that uh, you would end up hearing more from it. And so I think you end up, um, I, I feel like there's a really big Glenn Bronca influence on Sonic Youth. And I mean, obviously, because uh, their first two albums were on Glenn Bronca's uh, neutral label. And then I, I guess they had a falling out or something. Uh, not too far after that, but anyway, I all this to say is like I I think they it's it, it's more like they use these tunings in interesting ways and sort of use that as the noise as opposed to just like you know going like full Merzbow and just like you know just 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 fucking with that feedback all day. Um, like I think there's there's kind of more going on, I guess in it and um i i really liked how they did it in here i i just thought like basically every track was was a lot of fun to listen to actually um i don't know if is bubblegum technically uh a track because i I, it says right here it's a like a bonus track technically it depends on the release i think the vinyl release ends with expressway to your skull and then some releases have bubblegum at the end but it just depends because I, I actually really like Bubblegum. Like, that that mm-hmm. could be my favorite track on the, on the album, which is saying a lot because I, I enjoyed all of it. Uh, in the Kingdom, number 19 was up there, too. Mm-hmm. Just, like, a, any one of those ones that has just them just fucking freaking out uh, was just fucking great. But, um, Scott, I want to turn it over to you, too. Yeah, Thoughts I, on this I, thing? I, I think I have a, a similar... Um take as you just outlined although you know not as, as technical or indebted to music theory but i i, I, I am it, not indebted to music theory though well so. i'm just saying that like <laughs> I, don't, I don't have you know the you know the different schools of thought or whatnot but to me throughout all, all four of these albums it felt like kind of a kind of a pensive energy or or rather to expand on that a, a bit of a kind of a perfect interplay or balance between tense and melodic riffing you know it was really interesting to me how they were able to really seamlessly bounce between or fuse um some unsettling you know sonic palettes with with kind of like you said Devin, some almost pop leaning some stuff that was really melodic and and um and pulled you in with some great hooks and and i'm also glad that you mentioned um swans because i definitely got some vibes on mm. evil especially you know in the kingdom number 19 marilyn moore gave me a you know, pretty strong mid-career swans vibes um and it did it did feel like a more subtle uh brand of no waves and that was something that caught me off guard at first having only listened to daydream nation um you know when evil kicks off it, it's it's a little calm it was it was a lot calmer than i expected i, I expected them you know early in their career to be a bit louder and and certainly probably some of their earlier earlier albums are a lot more you know rambunctious than this but i really appreciated (laughs) that balance and that overall vibe they achieved throughout it just felt like they were able to bounce between so many styles within you know a riff a a frame a song um you definitely agree the bubblegum has an awesome almost crunk rock inspired vibe my favorite moment had to be Death to Our Friends. That really, really oh, creepy, yeah. dissonant intro riff, it just was was arresting. And I, I think that this probably, uh, I'll get to what my favorite of the bunch was later, but this is a, a, a close second, you know, maybe depending on 
the song, it might be my favorite of the bunch. You know, it really, it, it balanced everything that I heard over these four albums incredibly well. And it just, it, it, when I first put this on, I knew that this was going to be, um, you know, this was going to be a, a positive experience. And I was, I was really glad that that's, you know, that was the first impression I, I had. Yeah, I, I'm really glad too, because like, you know, this is, I, I think th- this has probably the most been the most vexing thing about Sonic Youth to me, you know, is that, you know, you want to like them, mm-hmm. you know, l- 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 like I've always like, I, I read about their aesthetic and all this experimentation and how like they got started within the no wave scene and like all of that just like, you know, turns me on, you know, really it's like their music. And so I'm just like, I, like, I really want to like, but then I've, never been able to like really like match like their music has just never been able to match that i guess mm-hmm. but in but i think now i've just i don't know i don't know what's happened maybe i've just become less of an asshole um but <laughs> i i've uh, i've really fucking enjoyed this a lot um it makes it really makes me curious to see what like what um what confusion to sex would sound like because like <laughs> god uh like, it's it's noisy. It, I mean, if you liked the noise aspect on Evol, you definitely would love Contusion is, is Sex. It's definitely one of my favorites, but it's, I don't know. Some people think it's a little bit too noisy, but I, I'm for people like us who are really into the noise, I would, it's great. Yeah, see, I, I love that. Like, I love that type of shit. So, like, you know, it really gets me totally interested. That, that That's why I almost wanted to do Bad Moon Rising, because of just, like, how close it was to, like, more of their earlier career. Because, like, I mean... This is, you know, this is them mellowing out for the first time, arguably, right? Right, right. Yeah. So it's, which is, it's just kind of weird to think about. Uh, also, I, I just realized this, how backwards my, my, my sort of journey into Sonic Youth has been. Because, like, you know, instead of going to, like, these albums, I, the first even vaguely Sonic Youth related albums that I was into was, um, Scott, you, you know that collaboration with uh, it's Marsbau, uh, Pandy, and Gustafsson? Mm, uh, yep. Yeah, so the, the the second one has Thurston Moore on it. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that, 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 that's pretty much like my like my experience with them, like right there. <laughs> so it's just bizarre. Um, okay, so let us move on then. So we did Evil, and uh, let's talk about Sister. So uh, what? 1987 and again on sst so devin you have um any info for us uh so i actually didn't know this before but i was doing a little bit of research earlier and i guess it's supposed to be a sci-fi concept album oh right right yeah i didn't know that at all it's based on the life and works of philip k dick which i had no clue i would have never guessed i I actually saw this in uh, our band could be your life, and but I'm also a, a very big fan of Philip K. Dick, um, so it's actually kind of interesting to see, uh, especially the title because I don't know if you, it, you, it's right in the Wikipedia thing too, but it's it's named after uh, Philip K. Dick's uh, fraternal sister who died in the womb. Yeah. Yeah, which is like kind of bizarre, but um, it, it's actually something that stayed with Philip K. Dick for his entire life. Like, it really bothered him. Um, and it, it's weird, but he's not the only person who's, like, Elvis actually has a similar experience. Huh. I did not know it. that. Yeah, um, so he had a brother, he was gonna have a twin named Jesse, and I don't know, I think 
Jesse might have just died after being born, or there was some sort of complication. And uh, yeah, and, and Elvis felt like he was haunted by Jesse, if I remember right, at some points in his life. And uh, Scott Walker actually wrote a song uh, about it called Jesse off of uh, The Drift, I think. Um, so, you know, <laughs> little little things there. But <laughs> l- 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 let's talk about the music, though. Uh, or, like, sort of, Devin, like, your own experiences with this. Like, I, actually, I didn't ask, what was the first Sonic Youth album that you listened to? Was it Evil? or It was Daydream Nation. Okay. And, yeah. It was oh, little... right. I, you, you said that earlier. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. Yeah, it it kind of mirrors what Scott did because, I mean, or what Scott said because, you know, going back, it's a little bit jarring. It's, you know, I was expecting a more, like, mainstream sounding band, but, you know, they have all this great stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> So your own, just yeah. So you were really surprised when you heard this, just compared to yeah, uh, you know the more mainstream Sonic Youth releases. Because Sister was one of the first, uh, I guess, earlier Sonic Youth, and I mean I say earlier as in when I look at Sonic Youth, I kind of think of Daydream Nation as the start of there being more commercial and more mainstream, and you mm. know, kind of before that. I mean, it was just completely different in my eyes at least i mean I, that's really debatable but... yeah yeah it, it's interesting you bring that up because i i was thinking about that and like really even after reading um sonic youth's portion of uh our band could be your life um it you know i, I was expecting like a like a whiplash kind of when we get to daydream nation but i, I i'll say that i really didn't feel it as much as i thought i would um all things said, but anyway, um, Scott, let, let, so what are your thoughts on Sister? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want, I don't intend this negatively. It was my least favorite of the four, but I, I didn't dislike it by any stretch, if that makes sense. I just, I felt yeah. like it had the fewest, um, the fewest highlight highlights, the fewest moments that really stuck out to me after I finished listening. I, I felt like I got a similar experience with evil um definitely you know once again the swans vibes you know very strong uh, especially i wrote down the the kind of moody post-punk moments on beauty lies in the eye was was especially uh, potent in that regard um but yeah i, I think for, so for me I, I listened to all these just straight through didn't take any notes and then on the second time i took I took notes, so mm. I don't. I didn't write down as much just because I felt like I had a lot more to say and a lot more that I wanted to comment and talk about about the other three. Um, but it's it's still really good, and now I want to go back and listen with you know knowing that concept because I'd be really interested to pick apart you know kind of try to thread the narrative myself through the lyrics of the songs because that's you know it's really interesting mm. interesting concept to work from. Oh, uh, before I forget, can we talk about Steve Shelley's drums for a little bit? Because um, they—that was the thought that I got when I when I first put on Evil. Um, was because I, I think Steve Shelley is on Evil, right? Uh, I am not sure. I know I he's on. Yeah, yeah, he he is. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay, and Mike Mike Watt from the Minutemen is on. Apparently, is on Evil. Hmm. So if I have an um, interesting thing about that, if you want to hear it, I mean, yeah. I, I think I know what it is, but but go for it. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's uh, in the kingdom number 19 in Bubblegum. He's on. 
And obviously, in the kingdom number 19, uh, mirrors uh, D Boone's death, which is interesting. I'm not sure if it's, you know, on purpose or anything, but uh, I believe Mike Watt said he did it at, at the uh, request of the members of Sonic Youth because he was going to quit music. And I guess being on that song kind of inspired him to keep playing, which is yeah. really nice. Yeah, it's a really cool, uh, you know, little story. I, you know, it's it's just one example of of Sonic Youth being like this just powerhouse when it comes to sort of the indie scene that they were able to sort of establish all these relationships with all these different bands all over the place. Because um, if I remember right, Minutemen were from California. Yeah. Is that, yep. Yeah. San San Pedro. Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought, and um, yeah, so it's just it's really cool to see all these people come together pre-internet you know uh and just have like this really strong connection with each other and i mean like sst was also in uh la because yeah it was greg jinn's label yes um yes. you know so it's just i think that that's just really cool um uh, just right you know just again you know it's it's just sort of that 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 power of community uh that i i've always i i found really fascinating um but talk about steve shelley for a second because um you know, one of the things that that grabbed me about Evil was just you know the guitars. You know, Thurston Moore and Lee Ronaldo going nuts basically, and you know, but uh, I at first I thought Steve Shelley's drumming was kind of tame and almost kind of like lackluster for a second. Like if you if you listen to like Tom Violence, like you can't let like it, it took me a few listens to really hear his drumming underneath everything. Um, but like when I first heard it, it, it was almost like a, um, like like a Meg White type of thing, that that like it felt like it wasn't, um, felt like the contribution was kind of lopsided almost. Yeah. Uh, but I I would say that I, I I don't think I'm right about that because after listening to it again, I really just like, I re- I really like how he you know he has this explosiveness but he keeps it really really tight mm-hmm. like um like me and scott are really used to um you know like uh john theodore from mars volta or um <laughs> uh oh what's it is it uh abe cunningham from deftones brand daler from mastodon just these very bombastic drummers who are just like you know i aren't afraid to just you know whip whip out a couple fills really fast right. uh, so you know it was it was a little bit of a change, but it's, it, it was, I, I think it's, it's, it's a change. I'm really glad I noticed, I guess. Uh, but anyway, so back to sister. Oh, and actually now that I think of it, I actually listened to sister before years and years ago. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly when, but I think it was like after I bought goo and I was kind of just tired of Sonic youth. And I was just like, what is to this band? I don't get it. And, uh, I think I just put on Sister randomly and I ended up really liking it. But I think I only listened to it like once. Uh, but listening to it again, I, I really enjoyed it too. I, I think for me, it sort of ran in the same line as Evil. So like I, I, I felt like I could just listen to Evil in a way. And, yeah. and have uh, you know pretty much the same experience. So uh, not exactly a bad thing. I, I don't know if I would put this last though. Um you know, I, 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 I like to be totally honest. I really was tempted to buy all four of these 
after I listen to them. <laughs> so, uh, which I, I still might do it. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what my bank account says. Um, because <laughs> 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 uh, I, I, I actually, yeah, Devin, you don't know this, but I was, I was texting Scott earlier this week and I, I noticed how I, I, I don't have, I don't own any Ornick Coleman albums. And I'm like, I, how is that even possible for me? Like, what, what the fuck is wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm surprised Scott wasn't. I, I, I'm surprised you weren't like uh, more more angry at me. But <laughs> well, I, I don't usually get angry at you. <laughs> I, I, I was I was hoping I was hoping for it. Scott. <laughs> I was just berate you. Over yeah, your... I, was just, I was just like, yeah, I, I I've got a sadistic side, you know, and sometimes I like to let it out to play. Um, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's just move on to uh, Daydream Nation, uh, which is, you know, their breakout album, their first on uh, Enigma, which I think is part of Warner Brothers, right? I think so. That uh, sounds yeah, right. Uh, Universal. Is it Universal, I think? Yeah, uh, it's it's who, one of those. <laughs> who the hell knows? It's one, honestly, of, one of the big because, names. Yeah, they, they're like, I don't know. Like, like okay, uh, maybe this is kind of like a... um tinfoil hat kind of opinion but like i i find a lot of those record companies to kind of like i i if, if somebody just exposed some files that said like all of them were actually the same company like i would actually believe that like it's sort of like um like coke versus pepsi like you know a lot of people fall in either line but i'm like i think that i think they're the same thing <laughs> you know it i i i know i i might as well just go on alex jones and and talk about it so <laughs> well, um, it's interesting because that's actually something that's happened to go on a, a tangent but somewhat related that's something that's happened in craft beer over the last several years is that lo- like the, the the big names in beer like like, an, like pbr an, yeah like right. well like anheuser bush and whatnot they've been buying um kind of mid-sized craft beer companies and hmm. not not changing the name so you know they, they get the benefit of kind of tapping into that market without you know, w- without sullying the craft beer name, so I feel like that's that's something that the big names have done for a while. Like you know, if it has a Warner Brothers on it, you may you may turn your nose at it, but if it has you know something like like a Nigma or, or it sounds like a cool indie label, you know, it's kind of a way for them to to spread their influence further. Yeah. So, uh, Devin, you have any um, background, any personal history, or I mean, obviously, this is your favorite of of the albums, if I remember right. But um, I uh, just you have anything you want to point out here? <laughs> you know, it's just like you were mentioning earlier about Radiohead. It's kind of one of those things where it feels a little bit untouchable in the, I guess, online music sphere. Mm. Um, but I I really do enjoy it. But I feel like it's not a perfect album. But it's really good. But I think there are some interesting things that could be critiqued about it. So I'm kind of interested to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah. I, well, first of all, I, I actually thought that this was rated higher on rate your music. Um, for some reason I thought it was like in like the top 15, but I, I think it, it got moved like way down. Oh, I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah. I was surprised by that too. Yeah. Cause I, for some reason I remember it being like in like the top 20 at least, but last time I checked, I was rolling through Maybe I just, Maybe my my eye just slides over it, but I didn't see it anywhere in like the first hundred, which is really weird. Um, that being said, I I actually th- this was the album that I was probably most anxious about in terms of like uh, 
pretty sure I wasn't going to like it, but I, I was really pleasantly surprised by it. Um, you know, I like, you know, I as we've said, you know, the, the trajectory that the band has been on has been, you know, going tamer and tamer. So, um, you know, it's not a surprise that, you know, this is their tamest out of the ones we've listened to today uh, so far, I guess. But, um, you know, I, I don't exactly think that that's a bad thing. Um, I think there's a lot of really catchy tracks, you know, in this thing. Um, you know, t- obviously the, the opener, Teenage Riot, is is probably the catchiest for me. Um, but, you know, just I, I enjoyed a lot of, like, I, I there really wasn't, like, a single, you know, track here that I was like, oh, this thing sucks. You know, like, it was it was all really fun. Like, I think that's probably the biggest part of it is that it was just, like, like Scott said, you know, the, the, there's always a lot of energy to be had in these recordings, e- even if it's not something that is like out of the gate, you know, bursting with feedback and noise and weird tunings. Um, it, it's just, you know, like I, I guess you get a lot of that, that that hardcore in there, that hardcore energy. And mm-hmm. um, I was also I think if I remember right, the, the song Total Trash was just like total banger if you will um <laughs> unfortunately future didn't didn't feature on it so um you know <laughs> the, oh man what if i mean they, uh, scott like, do, do you remember that a couple of years ago um it was i think it was rizza and paul banks oh yeah it's put out an album absolutely or like sting and shaggy like, like yeah. come on, f- future and sonic youth future and sonic youth dear lord it's, it's it's gonna happen now. It's uh, it's on the internet, isn't that what was it? Rule no, not rule thirty four. I mean, there, <laughs> there, there could be porn of that, but <laughs> interesting. This is not the not the digression I, I imagined I, would occur. Me either, me either, Scott. Um, so I might as well just turn it over to you. So, uh, what do you think about this, especially given your relationship with Daydream Nation? Yeah, I actually still own it. I thought I might have sold it. I'm glad I didn't yeah. because I I love this. A lot. I mean, there are so many. I have more notes on this than any other album because there's just you know song after song. It's, it's, I, I, it's the I longest, wanna... but yeah, <laughs> yeah. And actually, that, that's that's the one. I think it would have. It's one of those tough albums where I there aren't any songs I would recommend cutting, but I think it might have benefited from being you know either exactly an hour or under an hour. I think it could have benefited from being a little bit shorter. But there are just so many great songs in here it was and and they're all they're all really emblematic of that kind of pensive energy i was talking about i, I loved the interplay between you know the musicians on this album obviously the opening chords of teenage riot are iconic you know even on my first listen i i loved just that song um love the interplay of you know the kind of tense and melodic riffing riffing on the sprawl um I found myself... Oh, which is also, sorry to interrupt, but uh, another sci-fi reference, uh, referencing William Gibson and his Sprawl trilogy of uh, cyberpunk novels, but um, which I, I, if, if, will, will you allow me to go on a little little uh, detour for a second? Sure. Because we were just talking about uh, how all these big companies are kind of like, you wouldn't be surprised to find out that they're the same thing. And I was actually thinking of William Gibson at that time, because in uh, all of the Neuromancer books, all of the Sprawl trilogy, uh, the super rich, you know, like in like corporations have taken on like this 
not like it, it's almost like beyond monopoly it's like a deification of a business and like all the rich people have like just completely lost their minds like they, they've just been given over to like decadence so much that they've just lost touch with humanity it's it's like it, it's just strangely prescient right now i guess <laughs> and i i just think it's funny that they are referencing this right now so <laughs> yeah that's interesting and- I believe Kim Gordon, uh, she grew up in uh, SoCal, and she kind of felt a similarity between Gibson's trilogy and uh, that area, I guess. She said it felt desolate in her uh, biography, I believe, but that's where her inspiration came from a little bit. I really want to read that book, actually. It's uh, a girl in a band. Yeah, I haven't read it in a long time, but I really enjoyed it when I did read it. Yeah, that it does seem really interesting because she she's had a really interesting like upbringing, too. Yeah. Just like being like full force into like experimental like you know art and music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, but 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 uh, sorry. Did, so I interrupted you, Scott. So, um, <laughs> what were you saying? We we were talking about the sprawl. <laughs> yeah, it, it just that I think that was the moment where I first kind of settled on that pensive energy phrase that I've, I've been saying and it kind of it clicked for me why I loved their um, the way they wrote guitar as you know as much as I do uh, I think something that I grapple with a little bit is um, I'm curious what an instrumental Sonic Youth album would sound like because I, I don't dislike oh, any actually that exists there are, there are a few of those but the one I'm thinking of the most um it's uh, Devin. Do you know? Do you know how to pronounce the title of it? It's that um, that French soundtrack that they did. Oh man, I <laughs> I I, I, I was hoping ma- I was hoping maybe you could pronounce it better than I could. I think it's like Le Simon. I don't know. Let's see, Sonic Sonic Youth, Simon uh, Simon Werner a Desperu. Um, that works. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it. I. I uh, I guess it's called oh it's called lights out in in English. That would have been good to know. Um, <laughs> but I yeah that that that's a that's a movie score that they did. Um, they they actually do have a couple instrumental albums under like their like SYL label. Yep. Um, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I only say that I I don't dislike any of the vocals on any of these albums. I I just felt there were a lot of moments where I think what they do musically is so interesting. And mm. it kind of the especially on Daydream Nation because there's so many songs that you know, approach or um, surpass the seven minute mark. There there are a lot of extended instrumental passages. So I think for me, it took a few listens to get used to being sucked into the songs evolving in that way, evolving as inst- you know instrumentals, and then the, the vocals come in and it it worked. It, you know, kind of shifted it to more more of a rock song versus kind of something a bit more experimental but um i I love the variety they have across this album and i I think that's the more i listen to it the more i I was kind of aware of what was coming versus listening to these songs for the first time Mm. um it's 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 great how much they're able to fit on this i I do wish it was a little bit shorter but i think something that helped downplay that as a negative is i love eliminator jr i mean it's such an awesome punky finale so Mm. you know sometimes when an album runs on too long and then the finale isn't it kind of fizzles out it exacerbates that issue but 
it really helped, um, you know, trigger that energy again. And it, it was a perfect finale for um, everything that came before. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, I think, you know, uh, to bring back an earlier topic, um, you know, I, while this is definitely them at their most, like, you know, stripped back, like, quote unquote mainstream in this listening sequence anyway, um, you know, there was still just a huge amount of experimentation that was mm-hmm. still going on, uh, which I found really cool. Like, I was, I, I thought it was going to be like, you know, um, almost like, like, kind of like Nine Inch Nails, like, like, you know, how, like, you have Downward Spiral, and, the, and then you have, like, the Fragile, but then you have, um, uh, with Teeth, you know, which is just such a dramatic shift towards something more, like, uh, with a more of a pop sensibility, and it, to be fair, I love that album, but, like, you can really hear the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, th- I think that there was a good amount of time in between Fragile and With Teeth, but I don't, I was just, I like, like you know how there are sometimes, there are a lot of cases of like these bands who get started in the underground and are like really known for being like experimental powerhouses. And then, you know, they get signed to the bigs and they just come out with like just this bland, bland album mm-hmm. that like people fall in love with. Like I, I was... I, my, my nightmare, I guess, was, was that Danger Nation was going to be that, but it turned out not to be true. So, yeah, absolutely. And I got to say, I love the, you called it getting signed to the bigs. Yeah, <laughs> you called up to the major leagues. Oh yeah, you know, I well, I, I mean, I'm I'm also a sports agent, you know, and a sabermetric professional in in my downtime. So yeah, if there's if there's one thing that comes to mind when I think of you, it's sports. So yeah, <laughs> oh man, we we've had so many conversations about that. I have you ever noticed that when you start talking about sports, I I have like this dazed look in my eyes. Oh, that, that that's true of a lot of people in my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'm I'm sure Lauren does that all the time. Yeah, she's like, "That's great, honey. That's awesome." Yeah. <laughs> Why am I marrying you again? <laughs> Ow. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Okay, Uh, let's 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 take down the salt, I guess, for for now. Um, Let's talk about the next album, Goo, uh, which was uh, 1990 off of is this DGC? Uh, Oh, okay, David Geffen's A and M Universal Music Group. Okay, just more. More Universal Music Group. Um, Devin, you, you said that this is like your least favorite of, of the group. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, is this is this out of like all Sonic Youth albums or just the ones that we picked today? Just the ones from today, but okay. it's pretty low down there. Well, I, I, I don't know I, why. It's just so... It doesn't have the same energy. It doesn't... It's a little mm-hmm. bit too refined. Uh, what I like about Sonic Youth is kind of their crazy energy and... Even they had that energy in Daydream Nation, which is a pretty tame album. I mean, it's not, you know, the tamest, but I don't know. I, There's just something about it. Is it like, you know, because I immediately my mind goes to uh, Tunic, Song for Karen. I actually um, like that song. Really? Because I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it too this time around, but um, just sort of the beginning of that with just Kim Gordon spinning, spinning. I'm leaving now. Hi, Janice. You know, just like <laughs> yeah. all, all that stuff. Like, I, yeah. I, I guess, can, can we just 
talk about Kim Gordon's like delivery on just every Sonic Youth song for a second because like I I I have like this strange like on one hand I love it and on the other hand I'm I'm like so sick of it at the same time. Oh my and, gosh, and, I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I, it's 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 just like equal parts admiration and revulsion, I guess. Yeah, and. <laughs> I can't stand it, especially on My Friend Goo. I just, yeah. it's too much. Oh, yeah. My Friend Goo. <laughs> goo, goo, goo. <laughs> to, to me, it was like a weird combination of, of Nico and, and Jarbo, in a way. Okay. I don't know if, yeah. if that makes, but yeah. It, it, I, I could see that. It was interesting. <laughs> it definitely was, it was the one aspect that took the most oh getting used to. I, I just, I just got, it's, okay, like, just just stay with me in in this comparison it's it it, it it's like female punk sinatra it's like riot girl sinatra because <laughs> like like it, it's is sinatra talking is he singing is he both who knows who cares it's great yet it's awful <laughs> <laughs> and i mean I, I i say this and i have you know like two sinatra albums on my shelf so <laughs> um <laughs> I, I I do like like you know I I I don't want to be negative here because I I really enjoyed all of these so you know like Kim Gordon like like I I the, it's an interesting delivery okay well we'll just leave it at that <laughs> um <laughs> so uh, Scott uh let's 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 hear from you what do you think about what do you think about the good old goo uh I actually really <laughs> liked the energy on on goo um i it was kind of a surprise to hear a cool thing because it's always weird when you hear songs you you don't know that you know if that yeah. makes sense yeah like yeah when you listen you listen to an album you're like wait a second i know this song <laughs> like why do i know this song but then I, yeah i remember that it was on um isn't it guitar hero yeah guitar hero and yeah. uh i really liked it I, I didn't care as much for kim gordon's excursion in the middle but the the riff itself is is great um I hey, love cool the, thing. <laughs> I love the uh, in, intensity on Mildred Pierce. I, I love kind of like the slight distance on, I think, Titanium Expose. Is it um, Titanium Expose or is there a Titanium Expose? Because I, I didn't see, like, oh, the, yeah. there, there is a little accento over the E. Oh, is there? Yeah, because yeah. I, yeah. I there isn't on Apple Music, like, there's no yeah. accent. But I was like, Titanium Expose doesn't, I mean, not that Titanium Expose makes much more sense but <laughs> titanium exposed makes even less hey, sense d- doesn't it kind of sound like a like a william s burroughs kind of cut up like like it just feels like that they just like took two random words and just put them together like yeah exactly go. exactly um, so but yeah I, you you enjoyed this i yeah i enjoyed it a lot and i will say um i think moat or mote yeah uh, but it's moat moat yeah. yeah that's oddly enough that was the one song that i felt I actively noticed and enjoyed the vocals. Like again, I don't I don't necessarily dislike the vocals on, you know, any of the albums we listen to, but for some reason the vocal effects and the delivery, I don't know who it, was, it felt like it was someone other than I know that they have the third vocal or for, it says it was uh uh Lee Ronaldo on Yeah, the, on I was I was going to say cuz I say it didn't sound like Thurston Moore, it didn't sound obviously it didn't sound like Kim Gordon. So, yeah, I really <laughs> really liked his his vocals on that song and, and I um I can I can appreciate this being a little bit more toned back, but some something about it I I really appreciated. Um, I think 
there was a really thin margin between uh, Goo, Evil, and Daydream Nation. I would probably go Evil, Daydream Nation as my favorite, depending on the song, depending on my mood as I was listening mm-hmm. to these, then Goo, then Sister. But I, I think I was pleasantly surprised at how thin those margins were and the fact that I enjoyed them all as much as I did. And um, definitely interested in listening to, you know, going forward and going backward and I, I guess the, the question i had for um devin is uh, obviously daydream nation and this period is really well celebrated in the indie blogosphere um i whether just from your personal opinion or what you've observed where did that start to change because i think that they have a long enough discography this happens to a lot of classic bands that eventually they enter that kind of elder statesman status and each new album isn't greeted with the same kind of enthusiasm I don't know if that that makes sense, but you know, like I guess uh, where where did they start to to falter, start start to, or do you think that they have faltered at all? I think that it depends on the person and what you enjoy, but I think after Goo, they definitely got more tame, more mainstream, more typical '90s rock, um, like rather ripped, and like other like sometimes they just go in like crazy directions, but. For the most part, it feels like they just kind of fizzled out. I mean, I still enjoy these albums, but mm-hmm. I don't know how I'd put it. I guess, and like sometimes, they, like I said, they just go in weird directions. Like Murray Street is kind of like this prog rock thing, very mm. me- mellow, which is, you know, crazy considering we were just talking about goo and, you know, all of that with sort of a all over the place energy. Um, I'm, but it really depends on the person. For me, I would say Washing Machine is probably their last album that I firmly love. But some people would say that, you know, their later albums than that are just amazing and they never faltered. But it just really depends, I think. Hmm. That's interesting. And I think yeah, that's something I, I would want to explore myself as well because... I don't know why I had that thought, but I, I think it, it maybe it's just because of the way that they're this period, you know, the mid to late '80s, you know, early '90s with Goo, you know, it's it as we've said before is kind of untouchable. But you know, through the 2000s and the '90s, just it felt like that same level of admiration wasn't you know wasn't quite there. And, you know, maybe this is a conversation for another day, Jimmy. But I, I think yeah. it's interesting when that you know when that change happens and how it happens. Yeah, uh, Devin, I, I I'm actually before I talk about goo for my, my own thoughts. Um, you know, just to jump on what Scott was saying, do you, do you think that there's an era or a particular album in their discography that deserves more attention compared to the other ones? Confusion is sex all the way. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Girl after my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's cool. So all right, so goo was yeah. I mean. I, Goo was probably the one I was uh, I was pretty sure I was gonna dislike, and I actually ended up really liking it a lot uh, as well. You know, I probably wouldn't put it as high as Scott would. Uh, it's probably it, it, I don't know, it, it's probably like third. I don't know. Like I, I there really wasn't an album here that I was like fuck this. Like you know. It, it, there wasn't even one that was just like this is meh like i i really genuinely enjoyed all of these for different reasons um i think goo just I, I i think it's more like i'm more aware of 
Goo's weaknesses, I guess, which makes it a little more difficult, like, subject to broach for me, to breach, broach, one of those. Um, <laughs> I think they both, could, they both work. Yes, yes, they do. Um, like, like cool thing, but like you were saying, Scott, like, like <laughs> Kim Gordon's just delivering cool thing is just... Uh, after a while, like, like the whole like give you a shave line, like I I I'm just like, why? <laughs> well, it's unfortunate because it's you know it's one of the most memorable riffs in there. This is certainly oh, the yeah. we, we listen to, and then you're like, oh what oh oh, <laughs> what's cool what's going thing, on now? Walking like a panther. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that that being said, like uh, the opening track, "Dirty Boots," I actually really love that song. Like li- listening to it again, like it was just like the way that song just like explodes halfway through with like the "Dirty Boots" refrain. I I fucking love that. Like it was just like like it, it's uh it's kind of like how Sonic people just like periodically cover uh, "I Want to Be Your Dog" by the Stooges. Like it it just has like this pure just like punk rock feel to it. Right. Like, which just like. Yeah, like, like, like n- none of the other bells and whistles attached to it. I just like like it, it's just cool to hear that, even if it's just a little bit. So, um, yeah, I I really don't have um, but really my, my my biggest complaints were cool thing, and then yeah, probably parts of my friend Goo. But I I, I kind of found my friend Goo to just be funny, um, you know. So I didn't really like I wasn't like going in with like a magnifying glass and be like nope nope this doesn't work with me you know <laughs> it was it was it, it was just like goofy and i'm like it, you know it's it, it's cool to see these guys just be goofy especially like when you look at like the cover of of this album in particular yeah and it yeah. just like because I, i'm pretty sure isn't this like the, the isn't that the same guy who, who drew doonesbury <laughs> it's a uh, pettibone raymond pettibone oh oh it is yeah really mm-hmm. wow and it does it's... not does not look like his stuff at all. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with the Moore's murders that happen- happened. Uh, oh, right, right. It's it's based off an image of the two killers. Um, okay. During their I, trial. I remember reading this now. Yeah, um, because I I, don't, I just like I always look at it and I see um, like it, I mean it reminds me of Doonesbury a lot, <laughs> and I I just never liked that comic strip growing up. I always thought it looked really ugly. So it's it, it's really interesting, though, that, that Pedabon did this because, like, you know, I, I'm so used to him doing, like, those, like, really fucked up color images. Right, right. Like, like Family Man and, like, you know, uh, what, what, what was what, what's the one with the nun on it, Scott? The, the black flag? Oh, uh, slip it in. Slip it in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just the, that type of stuff. So. I still remember I borrowed um, my friend's vinyl copy of Slip It In in My War. My mom was like, "Like, what in God's name are you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, it, 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 my it, house. Like, yeah, it'd be because you either brought uh, Knife Hitler into the house or, or you brought you brought Sexy Nun or Sexy Ugly Nun into the yeah. house. I don't remember which one ascended Senator more, but I think they yeah. were both. It was, a, it, was a, it was a race to the bottom. <laughs> Knife Hitler. I mean, it, come on, dude. Like, doesn't Faith No More have that song called uh, "Isn't Crack Hitler"? Oh, I, I don't I think, know. That yeah, sounds like I, a Faith I, No More song, though. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Crack Hitler. I'm, I'm looking this up now. Uh, Angel, it's, it's off of Angel Dust, I think. 
Um, let us see. We are going totally off the rails, and I love it. Yeah, Crack Hitler. Yeah, I was right. Right, right <laughs> before the track Jizz Lobber. Just, you know, full of like just these oh. awesome track names. One-two punch. That's awesome. Yeah. To be fair, <laughs> Jizz Lobber is a great track. It's it's probably my favorite track off that album, but um, getting way, way out of uh, the territory that we're supposed to be in. Uh, we're talking about Sonic Youth, but I think, uh, do we have any... Anybody have any closing remarks? Devin, you have anything you want to add before we, we draw this to a close? Give confusion a sex and bad moon rising a chance. <laughs> those yeah. are those are really the only two things I have to say. I feel like later Sonic Youth is kind of celebrated more than it needs to be. But early Sonic Youth is just fucking badass. I have you listened to like any of like the um those like experimental EPs that they've done? Yeah, yeah. A little With bit. The- I've in passing, but because there's one that they did with uh, Ikue Mari that I really want to listen to at some point. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I, I think it's I think it's like all in like Japanese uh, letters, if I remember right. Uh... I'm looking it up now. Um, it's, a, it's it's like part of like that SYL series. Um, yeah, it's a SYR five. So yeah, Ikuya Mari's on that, and I I just I love her work. But um, okay. So Scoots, you have any anything you want to uh, talk about before we kind of wrap this up? No, just Devin. Thanks for being on. Thanks for existing. Thanks for loving Sonic Youth because this was this was really great. You know, there have been. Uh, album or genre band explorations I've done that have have not not ended so well and just led to more frustration and I'm really glad um, you know I don't think I don't go into or I don't naturally want to dislike critically acclaimed artists like I always try to give them a shot so whenever you know a band that's kind of universally celebrated clicks with me and and I appreciate it it's 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 really a good experience and I'm especially glad that i gave Sonic Youth a chance because I'm, I'm really excited to both go forward and backward from what we listened to for this episode. Mm. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I, I'm really glad that this turned out to be a positive experience because, you know, I, I personally don't like hating music. Um, yeah. Music's enjoyable, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, you know, just to add more of it to stuff I like, I enjoy that a lot. And, um, you know, there's still just a ton of albums in their discography that I have yet to listen to, so... I can't wait to get on that, and uh, especially the, the the first two because I'm really interested in that noise. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Scott, do you want to talk about albums of the week? Yeah, yeah. and I think if yeah. if she's ready, why don't we have Devin yeah. go first? Yeah, you, you ready, Devin? Yeah. Uh, so my album of the week it's kind of unrelated, but i I'm really into yeah. like uh, ambient, and okay. I this album pop by gas that i just discovered hey. it came out in 2000 nice uh, it's, 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 it's one of scott's favorite albums is yeah. it really i, I it, love yeah i got it recommended on spotify and i was like how haven't i heard this before this is great like yeah it's perfect you know just turn your brain off you know but also like it's just gorgeous i love it yeah, it's, 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 it's funny exactly talk my about thoughts this. the first time I heard it, yeah. Well, the, so we did an ambient exploration episode uh, a while ago now, but I actually listened to, to Pop as well uh, for that. 
Uh, yeah, it, was, it, it is a really interesting listen. I really want to know what, what he does to sort of muck up those samples that he takes, because apparently he bases a lot of it off of, like, field recordings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just out of curiosity, because, like, it's, it's really interesting to see what people will do to samples. Like, I mean, y- you know, I what I've been thinking about lately is um, uh, Basinski's Disintegration Loops. And just, mm-hmm. you know, that the idea of magnetic tape being slowly decaying over time, uh, I think is really cool. Uh, but, yeah. Anyway, ga- yeah, pop by gas. That's a good fucking pick. Yeah, great pick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Scoots, what, what, what have you got? So, um, kind of good news, bad news. So, the bad news is that the reason I, I picked this artist is because... We were supposed to see them on Sunday, uh, and unfortunately, they that you know, yeah. As as with many concerts these days, it's not happening. So, I listened to all four of their albums, and uh, I'm just gonna pick. One. I mean, I love them all equally, but I'll pick their debut because it's one I'm most nostalgic about. Uh, the self-titled Vampire Weekend album. Uh, I've I have always been a big Vampire Weekend fan. Um, I love their kind of quirky take on indie rock, especially on their debut when they really incorporate a ton of interesting chamber elements into their their music. And it, it's always been an album I've held fondly. Hopefully someday we'll get to see them live because I really, I don't think they've released a bad album and it would have been did, really fun. Did the tour get postponed or canceled? Yeah, they decided to cancel all the dates through... I think like July or August, and then they ah. recess. So yeah, I was hoping because there was a, another tour um, I, I was supposed to be supposed to go to. I think in March or April that got they, they're just going to do the entire route the exact same way next year. Um, so I was hoping they do the same thing, but unfortunately they canceled. So yeah, we'll have to figure it out. But it's so like it sucks really because like I um I don't know if I do you remember that text I sent you it was um because I think Craftwork was coming to like the Wang Theater in Boston. Oh yeah, did that, did yeah. that get canceled? Like I, I, well, I mean, I, I don't think there's any concerts going on right now, <laughs> yes. so I, I'm pretty sure it's canceled. But I mean, even if it wasn't, Florian Schneider, uh, you know, rest in peace, passed away. I, oh, I don't think that's he was, right. He was yeah. part of the band actually. For I think he left the band this year actually, uh, if I remember right. So I don't really know if it would be the same without him there or with him there, but mm-hmm. would have been cool. Um, okay, so me. <laughs> uh yeah i i've been listening to a bunch of different stuff this week but there's been one one album in particular that has been on my mind a lot and that's um blue lines by uh, massive attack nice um, oh, that's a good one yeah i it's been a long time since i've put on like any massive attack and for some reason i've just had an urge to put on blue lines because uh you know save from harm is just a great track but in particular, the track Five Man Army, I've been playing that like on repeat for some reason. Just like the the fucking lines on that and just like the rapping is so good. And just so just listen to it as a whole. It was just, a, you know, it, it was very like, like it's it's one of the most interesting albums, you know, out there for its time. Like, I, I, I don't think it's the best Massive Attack album, but it's it's so interesting for what it is. Um. And just, yeah, it, I, I, it really makes me interested as well in, like, the whole scene that sort of took place at that time in Bristol. Uh, there's actually, I think there might be a book on it 
that I really want to sort of take a look at because the, there's like I'm pretty sure um, if I remember right, I think Ottecker is from Bristol as well. Uh, but I might be talking out of my ass. Uh, yeah, they, they, they are not. Um, <laughs> uh, I was thinking that like there there are a number of trip hop bands that come out of the Bristol scene though, uh, and it's just interesting to see. You know, so similar to sort of the U.S. Uh, indie community in like the '80s and '90s, just how these people interacted with each other and how they sort of grew and became what they are now. Um, so yeah, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will be back next week. Yeah, so, and thanks for joining us, Devin. Yeah, yeah, th- yeah Devin, thank, thank you for thank having you for me being on. on. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me. Of course, no. You, you're definitely the. We, we needed an expert on Sonic Youth. Here, so, well, I'm glad um, I was able to help. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say this <laughs> okay. episode probably would have been a disaster if Jimmy and I just tried to, tried to do, do it our own. I, I mean, it, it would definitely be a lot filthier. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> so thank you, Devin, for cleaning us up. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. See you later. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.